0: Welcome to the Superpowers for Good show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Margaret Trilley, CEO of Impact Assets, joins us today to talk about her work. Since joining the nonprofit impact investment firm, she's tripled assets under management and helped deploy $400 million for good during the pandemic. She'll also teach us how to master her superpower, strategy development and implementation. Margaret, thanks for coming back. It's so great to see you again. I really appreciate you joining me.
1: My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, the pleasure is all ours. Please, would you just take a minute, and give us an update on things at Impact Assets. You do amazing work there. We'd love to know more about how things are going, especially within your sphere of influence.
1: Oh, sure. We're uh, we're having so much fun. So as you know, Impact Assets is an impact investing firm. We're a nonprofit. Uh, We run a donor advised fund, but we also advise... Um, philanthropists and other other types of programming, um, all with the mission of increasing the adoption of impact investing. And uh, I think the last time we spoke, we were around 400 million in assets. um, And we're now at 1.5 billion. Wow. Uh, So tremendous growth, uh, which has been so fun. And so it's been challenging in a great way. Uh, We were already uh, working on scale and getting ready for for exponential growth so it all kind of happened at the same time and it was um it was really great to see it all come together and um and then as everyone is aware um, the last 12 to 18 months have just been so unprecedented in terms of the things that we collectively have been facing um in humanity and as a nation and um, we've had pandemics, we've had movements, we've had weather, we've had all kinds of uh, we've had elections. We've had all kinds of things that um, have really activated our clients in, in ways that, that we haven't seen before. And particularly in the pandemic, uh, our clients were asking us, what do we do? We, we, we know how to do racial equity. We know how to do climate change. We don't no one's ever really focused on a pandemic. actually there, there are few. Yeah. Um, and so um, at that point in time, we really had to, um, you know, we were looking at, at volume some weeks 400 times what we're used to seeing. We're looking at our staffing, you know, 12 of our 35 people are, are homeschooling small children in, in the early days just babysitting because there was no school um, and trying to hold down full time jobs. And um, we had just a, a, you know, a tremendous challenge from a capacity perspective, just looking at increased volume and reduced capacity. And our clients are looking to us to play a role, a really important role in how to move money during the pandemic. And uh, we gave it some long, hard thought. We went to the board with um, an ask to increase expenses in this really scary time when the market's tanking and our revenue is tanking, um, to increase expenses and increase staff to meet the demands on um, the grant making side and to um, to really step into a new, new role in engaging on creating a strategy for how to address the pandemic with philanthropic dollars and with impact investing dollars and, and play a role only that philanthropy and impact investing can play um in a crisis crisis like that and um i'm i'm grateful and and really proud of the the board for supporting us in that strategy at a a time where we really were able to step up and do what we were built to do um in in 2020 um and the months after we we moved um more than 200 million in grants and more than 200 million in impact investments so 400 million in total uh to causes that that Um, people cared about last year, the majority of that was in, you know, sort of pandemic relief um, related uh, uh, money movement. Um, But quite a bit also um, went to racial equity and uh, all the other wonderful causes that our clients support.
0: So it's been a big,
1: been a big year and a half.
0: (laughs) Yes, it has been. It has been. And uh, so thank you for taking the time to update us and share that uh, with us one of the things that I think would really help uh, our audience and, and many in the audience are working in the investment field and they get this, but, but others come from the nonprofit side and the, uh, or they're social entrepreneurs and they're still trying to figure this out. And give us an example of one of your favorite impact investments and walk us through a little bit about how it worked and, and what drives the impact.
1: Ah, well, um, the one that immediately comes to mind is a a program. It's a, it was a five-year program that we've just wrapped up. Um, originally we raised $12 million in a microfinance and agricultural, um, finance, you know, notes program that was going to work around the globe to do micro lending, um, to individuals, small businesses, solo um, people living in poverty and also, um, uh, smallholder farmers. And the program um, over the course of the five years um, lent out five times the original capital raise. So um, just about 63 million in loans to just under a million people. And it really does sort of underscore the power of, of impact investing. You, you're not just giving money to people in that case, we would have done one fifth of of the impact with you know impacting one fifth of the lives. But every time we made a loan and it got paid back, we made another loan, and we made out we made five five times the loans in the in the course of that five year period, and and touched almost a million lives. And it, and it really is, you know, the people on this planet who need it the most. And so that's one of one of the programs I'm most proud of, and it's it's a really good I think. You know, succinct articulation of how many of, of the impact investing programs work.
0: Sure. It, it is an amazing thing to think about. And whether you are super rich or almost broke, the idea of being able to invest, maybe for even a good re- financial return mm-hmm. and know that your money is just on an ongoing basis, causing good to happen. Wow, that's that's an amazing thing, isn't it?
1: It it really is. It really is. And y- you make a good point. There's there's uh, that notes program I just talked about y- was yielding about two and a half percent over that five year period. Um, there are programs that are similar. Um, there's a um, an organization called Water Equity that that does something similar with a really unique structure. Um, but the equity holders in that fund are getting low teens um, returns and and um, wow. and in a seven year period. So. There, there are some really good examples of of both ends of the spectrum to fit all investment profiles, um, all of them yeah. having really great impact.
0: Water equity is one that we are featuring featuring in the book. Gary was a guest on the show, I and so we're Gary. profiling that, that great uh, case. So I'm glad you mentioned that. That's perfect yes, synergy.
1: Definitely one uh, of my favorites.
0: This, this is an amazing, wonderful world to begin to to circulate in where I begin to feel like it's, it's, it's a shrinking world just because I get to know more people. I love it. (laughs) Um, Let's, let's talk about your superpower now. And uh, you are really, you know, all that in a bag of chips, Uh, you're a big (laughs) deal. And so we're really grateful to have the opportunity to talk to you, but, but you talked about your, your unique ability is in, vision and strategy paired with execution, your ability to, to think big strategic thoughts, and then actually work on the implementation and execution. And Mm -hmm. you're right. That's hard for a lot of people that most people tend to be one or the other a little bit. How did, let's talk a little bit about how you use that pairing to drive impact and do more good in the world.
1: Yeah, well, it uh, it's now sort of just how I do things, um, but it it definitely wasn't always that way. I think what makes it, um, I think, makes the results better than when I did do it this way. Um, is that sometimes it's really easy to come up with a vision and a strategy that is, you know, maximizing everything, um, but not really taking into account what it actually looks like to to do those things, and often those strategies take into consideration things like return on investment or how much it'll cost, you know, those things. But really, if you're thinking through the steps at a very detailed level in execution, you're thinking about ways things will fall apart or is this really something our culture would embrace? Would there be too much friction? Would our would our legal team absolutely have a heart attack if we propose these things or doing it in this way? And and you you start to circle back and and iterate on the strategy till you get something that's going to have open road and and really get through to, to execution and implementation and completion in in the fastest way with a realistic budget that actually does come to fruition and you might still be getting those outsized best highest returns you might be you know settling for something you know that looks a little different but it's feasible whereas that outsized vision without the execution sometimes can lead you to to uh, you know not complete a, a strategy and lose time and waste resources or you get all the way you know three quarters of the way through and you realize you have to do a hard pivot um, which is costly and, and time consuming. Um, and so I, it's, just, I, I, it's just been my, um, the way I've, I've done these um, really is to spend, invest the time up front um, to talk to the people who are actually going to be implementing the strategies and um, thinking through how they actually play out.
0: But you, you make this perfectly clear that by doing these together, by thinking through these both sides, the, the the realities of implementation and execution along with the, the vision and strategy, you make the vision and strategy better and more workable, and you eliminate at least some of the problems that would come up. So that's that's genius. And I, I appreciate you <laughs> I sharing that genius. now. It is, it is. Let's reflect for a minute. Uh you mentioned that you didn't always approach it this way right how have you learned to to bring these two sides together and to be good at both sides how have
1: you learned that well i started an execution so i had the the perspective of trying to implement someone else's strategy <laughs> and and we we were you know, not given strategies that had any thought about execution. And we were sort of left with this gap of like, okay, figure out how to go get it done. And, um, and oftentimes it, it does, you know, I've just seen all the ways that things can fall apart or, or um, sort of lose, lose the focus or lose the point of why you are setting out to do something in the first place. And um, so having lived through that from an, an execution side of things, um, I, You know, when I got into corporate strategy after business school, it it was something that was really top of mind for me. And um, after business school, um, I had the opportunity to continue that learning from my colleagues um, who came from BCG, Bain and McKinsey, um, all organizations with really strong um, frameworks and approaches for developing strategy but it's the opposite. Everybody that works there starts in strategy and works their way up. And then they go into implementation. Like they know they don't have the execution skills and that's the next step that everybody wants to take when they leave those firms. Um, but none of those strategies, you know, I can't say none of them, but you know, many times those strategies, they don't have the mandate to take it through to execution. That's up to the the client to figure that out. Um, and so I had the benefit of both sides. I learned from, um, those colleagues and setting up the strategies. And then I, as I learned the frameworks and tools from them, I had my experiences to sort of layer in um, as I'm breaking down what those pieces of the implementation look like, I'm, I'm then reiterating on the strategy. And there were many times w- when um, I actually did retreat from a, a direction thinking through how the legal department is gonna respond to this, how, you know, what does that mean from a compliance perspective um, do we have the appetite to take that on as an organization? And and if not, then is there a different outcome or a different direction we could head in that could also achieve these goals and and that doesn't have, you know, it isn't fraught with all of those entanglements. So I I think um I guess that's that was my path. I think the, the answer to your question is really. For people to spend time in both places, I have no doubt that the really brilliant people at BCG, Bain, and McKinsey get there too, because they they have those building blocks in their careers as well. Um, and and I think there's there's a lot to to be said for um, the institutional approach that those big firms bring. But that's where I learned it. Um, there's plenty of books that they've all published on, and I'm <laughs> sure people can find them and read those too. Yeah.
0: Yeah, there's lots of books. Uh, most tend to be guides on how to do one or the other, right? Yeah. How to be super efficient, how to be operational, uh, or how to be strategic, how to create a vision and a strategy. And, and so, it's uh, there is still a, a pretty fundamental dichotomy that that you have figured out how to bring together. And and I'm not going to say there are no books and the, the, no one's ever done this before, but But you're right uh, to identify this as something that is at least unusual, if not truly unique. If you were guiding someone uh, at any stage of their career, trying to develop this now, and and having now heard from you how powerful this is, how helpful this is, everyone will want to do it. Some have the potential to do it as well as you. How would you encourage them to learn and develop these skills and and to bring this all together like you've done?
1: Well, I think it's a matter of having, um, just like you said, there's books written on both. And I think just making sure that the strategy incorporates thinking through how it would get implemented and having that be an explicit part of the process and really thinking out, thinking through all of those steps and having the the courage, really, to um, you know look yourself in the mirror if it if it seems like the implementation is going to hit some major roadblocks or things that you know risks or 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 just in even internal pushback that that isn't going to get it over the finish line. Having the fortitude to really be able to revisit it. Sometimes you get through that piece, that visionary piece of work, and you get so wed to the vision that you just want to be done so you really have to you have to think of done um you know that's really the first iteration and done is after that second iteration with the strategy um and then in terms of building the skills to where it's innate i think i would just echo what i just said which is i I think dedicating parts of your career to execution and to strategy um and Mm -hmm. and having an explicit focus on developing both and integrating both i I think is easy enough to get there
0: i see i see now as you think about, uh, uh the, these two different paths that you contrasted, uh, the kind of the BCG Bain, uh, model where you are strategy vision focused and, and your path, you came up through at least initially through more of an execution oriented path. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can just talk about how each of those folks learn the other skill. So maybe we start with the BCG folks, because in a way, I suspect there were times, at least earlier in your career, when you, you talk about implementing someone else's strategy and tripping over some of the difficulties that they created for you in that strategy. How would you coach them to learn about the practicalities and issues in execution?
1: That's a really good question. Um, my, my knee jerk reaction is that both disciplines, even though the outcomes are very different, both disciplines draw on the same concept of breaking down the work, just fundamentally breaking down the work, A, a vision and a strategy is about, you know, setting a really big, hairy, audacious goal, and then breaking down what are the ways to get there? Which are the ones, you know? Should we discard? Which of the ones should we keep? And then breaking those down and then, you know, sifting further and breaking it down and sifting. And it's the very same with execution. You have a big project or a big goal that, that you need to to execute. You have to break the work down into to little pieces so that you can delegate them to the people who actually have to do the work and you lay it on a timeline and you, you, you plan it out. And, um, it's the same, it's the same principle in both places, um, just applied very differently. One yeah. to a, conce- a concept and working through um, an approach or an answer to, to a problem and the other breaking down work.
0: I, I love the way you responded to that because I think you you responded in a way that will resonate with folks from that background, right? So, so the, the, the strategists, the visionaries are going to say, oh, I get it. I take this skill that I have, twist it around a little bit, and and I can deploy it uh, in a way that will help me with the execution. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now now let's, let's flip the script again and think about the message you'd give someone who came up as you did, more from the execution side to help them think about vision and strategy when maybe that's something they haven't been tasked with before. And now- they want to assume more of that responsibility. How do they learn that?
1: Mm. I think there are always uh, opportunities. I, most organizations, there are opportunities if you're in an operational role or a, you know, a, a, an accounting role even like to, to evaluate process. And systems and technologies and um, improve them for efficiency, also to reduce risk in the process. And uh, those are opportunities to think strategically to set a vision for how things sh- should look. Um, to re-examine a process, if you if you map out the flows of a process and you want it to be, you want it to have less boxes and lines. You know, you have to you have to think about where you where you do the cutting and, and what is going to get you to still to the same, uh, you know, high level outcomes that you want. Um, but just with less steps so there's that's a that's a way to transition at least certainly that was my path was really um, process re-engineering thinking about and manually you know a, like from all levels process um, you, how do you automate it how do you put in um, technology how do you re-envision the, the the procedures in our case how do you globalize the um, the process because we had um, we had um, we became a global firm overnight and we had five groups on five continents doing the same work. So how could we pass the book around the clock? So we had a 24 hour operation, but nothing was redundant. Um, so there's, there's lots of ways and opportunities for, for folks to kind of edge into that. Um, and it does start with painting that picture and painting that, that strategy. Um, the other thing I didn't mention for the, for the strategic minded folks, I think would mm-hmm. be um to, to not underestimate the people and the politics um, in the organization. It's not enough to just break down the work. It, you, you really need to anticipate who's got what motivations um, and and not you know from a malicious political standpoint, but really if somebody's role is risk management in the organization, what are the things they're gonna be worried about? What are the concerns that they're going to have? How are you going to address them? What is your communication plan? How are you going to get out ahead of that? Are you going to meet with those people ahead of time before it goes to the operating committee um, or wherever else it's going for approvals? Um, so just really thinking through the people elements um, of both places. And I think the the folks on execution side may or may not um, be aware that those are the factors that... Uh, that can make or break success, but they certainly are are living it. Um, yeah, and I think it's something for for both to think about.
0: Well, I, I think that was a really good addendum to your earlier answer on on the how to take the strategy and build it into the execution side, because I think you identified one of the, if not blind spots, dim spots, <laughs> the dark corners that that strategists don't always see is to think through some of those realities. And Mm -hmm. uh, and I like the way you say, don't underestimate the executioners or or the the people who are doing the execution. I'm Mm -hmm. not sure we should call them executioners. Um, (laughs) But but, uh, I also loved your, your answer about uh, developing that strategic muscle, that vision muscle. If you are on the uh, execution side, because Uh, you're so right. There are lots of things that go on that are very strategic, uh, that people who are doing that work are accustomed to doing or can become accustomed to doing. But part of it is to recognize how strategic it is and to begin to just increase the vision that's applied, the scope, the breadth. and, and, And soon you can be thinking about Strategies for the entire organization. Uh, That's right. So I, I love that answer. Great answer. That's going to be very helpful to to people who are uh, listening, watching, and reading. So yeah, thank I'm you. Glad.
1: Yeah. Um, it is funny. I think most people want to be more strategic. I hear. I I often hear people say, "I want to move into a more strategic role." And I think, "Oh my gosh, everything you're doing is strategic." You know, it and it, it's such a nebulous thing. People don't actually really know that they're doing it when they're doing it or know what it is when they <laughs> yeah. see it. Um, it, it really simply is, you know, articulating how you're going to get from A to B. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's in that plan. Anytime you're doing planning, chances are there's a strategic element yeah. that yeah. Uh, is or should be there. And so building that muscle, even at the simple operational level, Uh, wherever you may be today will help you build that muscle to apply it uh, later on in in the future in a broader context when you have more responsibility or launch your own thing. So that's brilliant. It's a really powerful insight, Margaret. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. Margaret, it's been a thrill to have you. Uh, Thank you for taking the time to catch up. And thank you for taking the time to help us see how and, and really what, what seems so daunting, what seems so unique, so impossible 20 minutes ago now seems so easy. (laughs) And so I, I, I hope you appreciate the impact you've had today by helping people who will learn from you how to be more strategic, how to be more execution minded and cross pollinating those disciplines. So thank you. Thank you very much.
1: Oh, thanks, Devin. I hope it was helpful
0: really appreciate you taking the time to be with us. So we wish you every success in what you're doing before you go, maybe if you'd like take 30 seconds or a minute and tell people how they can learn more about impact assets and connect with you on social media or more personally, if you like.
1: Sure. Um, so you can find impact assets at impactassets.org. Um, we're also on Twitter and, uh, LinkedIn. There's lots of content that we, um, we send out that way as well. There's lots of white papers and thought pieces uh, there as well. And I'm on LinkedIn, Margaret Trilley at, uh, yeah, I think it's just Margaret Trilley. <laughs>
0: yeah. Fantastic. Maybe we can get that Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate it. And we wish you all the success in what you're continuing to do to make the world a better place.
1: Thanks, Devin.
0: All righty. Let's do some good. Thank you for tuning in to the Superpowers for Good show. Twice each week, we host changemakers who share their impact, insights, and superpowers. Don't miss another episode. Subscribe today at superpowersforgood.com. That's superpowers number four. Good.com. Don't forget, get your copy of the book Superpowers for Good as an ebook, audiobook, paperback, or hardcover edition via your favorite online retailer.